Um, it's a joy to be with you again just one day after Christmas. I'm going to uh, complete the, the short two-week series of Christmas sermons that I've done today. As you know, prior to this, we were going through the book of Colossians. We put a bookmark about halfway through Colossians chapter 2. Uh, I'm doing two weeks worth of Christmas messages, which will conclude today. But then beginning next Sunday, Pastor Garrett is going to take the pulpit for the entire month of January. So that's five Sundays in a row when he's going to be talking about temples. Now, I don't know if you're into temples or if that sounds weird or odd or exciting. I don't know how you receive that. But let me tell you this. The theology behind temples has been very, very important as Pastor Garrett and the leaders of this church and myself have been praying about Access Church and our church plant, which is going to begin to really pick up pace in the coming months. And so I encourage you to be here throughout the month of January and you hear what exactly that means. It's not an archaic word. It's not unimportant for Christians today to talk about temples. I'm really looking forward to the ministry uh, that's going to be accomplished here through the words that Pastor Garrett has for us. Uh, so then in February, we're going to take the bookmark back out of Colossians and kind of resume and spend our spring finishing up that book, just so you know what's going on uh, in the coming weeks. This week, though, is still our Go Tell series uh, with Christmas holiday in mind. Last week, I took a look at the announcement made by the angel to the shepherds, and in that story, I wanted to highlight that the gospel, the good news, was announced by the herald, it was confirmed with a sign, and it was affirmed by the multitude. But even after all of that had happened, it was still up to the shepherds to actually go. They were the ones that had to decide that we're actually going to go and see for ourselves. And the point there is that good news requires a response if it's going to change your life. If you want it to change your life, good news requires a response. Otherwise, it's just an interesting story. It's just a thing that happened once. But if you want it to change your life, it requires a response. And the shepherd's response to the good news was to go. And here's what happens next. I'm going to pick up right where we left off last week. I'm in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. It says, So they, the shepherds, hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word. That's what they did. When they had seen him. So they were done with the going part. They went, they goed to see him. And when they were done going, then they spread the work. I called they spread the word. I called last week's sermon "Go" because the shepherds chose to go, and this week's sermon is called "Tell" for the corresponding reason. We sing, of course, the Christmas carol, "Go Tell It on the Mountain." Last week was all about go. This Sunday is all about tell. Here's what I want us to keep in mind. Two things happen in the Bible story once the good news is announced. We sometimes think, well, we, it's just the announcement of the good news, and, and there you go. No, 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 no. There are two things that happen. The good news is announced. Step one, the shepherds go see it for themselves. And step two, they tell. They spread the word, as the verse we just read says. First they go then they tell. And I think that's a good model for us to duplicate in our own lives. When it comes to good news, we should always remember that we tell once we've seen. 
We tell once we've seen. Now, I want to clarify what I mean when I, when I say that. We tell once we've seen. I am not suggesting that you are not allowed to share good news unless you've actually seen it with your own eyes. I'm not saying wait to share the good news until you have literally seen it with, with your baby blues. That is not what I'm saying. Because as the people of God, we are privy to good news from all over the place, right? We are privy to good news from around the world. We may not have literally seen all of it, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be spreading the word. We have good news to share all of the time. Let me give you a couple of just timely examples. A couple of weeks ago, I got an email from our missionary partners who work in Haiti. Many of you know Malcolm and Joy Henderson. Malcolm and Joy Henderson have not been in Haiti for almost two years now, but the ministry that they, that they head up is still alive and well in Haiti. And so they sent out an update. Some of you probably got the very same update, just kind of letting us know what's going on in Haiti. One of the things that they said caught my eye there, we have a friend, those of us that have traveled to Haiti over the past few years, have a friend there, a Haitian man by the name of Sano. Brian Carlson is actually a really good friend of Sano's. Last time we were there, he spent the entire afternoon in Sano's house and walked his whole village with him while the rest of us waited and, and, and played with the kids. Brian and Sano are pretty tight. Sano used to be a voodoo priest. The first year we were there, Bob, Bob D'Onofrio was there. Sano was baptized in water just after receiving uh, the Lord as his savior. We've known Sano for many, many years. Well, Sano had reached out to Malcolm and Joy recently and said, you know, I've become aware of a nearby village in which there are a number of voodoo priests that don't know the gospel. They don't know Jesus. And I found out that there's a group of Christians from another church that are going to go there and share the gospel. And the thing is, they need a guy like me with them. They need a guy like me who knows what those voodoo priests are up to, who can go with them and can share the gospel more adequately. So I'm going to go with them. So I love this story because you Americans can't do mission work in Haiti right now. But guess what? We Haitians can do mission work in Haiti. That's good news. That's good news. I'm proud of my brother Sano. I'm blessed by his initiative. I'm excited about that story. And I look forward to hearing the report from that. That's good news. I haven't seen Sano in years. I didn't even get that story directly from him, but I know it and it's good news. And so I've got no problem spreading the good news, sharing it with you. Plenty of other examples I can think of. You know, the other night we watched on our televisions as there was the, the shooting situation over in Oak Brook Center. Some of you know that there are two people in the HRCC family that are very important to us. They were over there that night. Carmen Magnolo was there at work that night. Jerry Hall was at work that night. And as that evening kind of developed, I was able to get word from both Carmen and Jerry. They were safe. They were safe. Tragic situation, but it's so often the case. The people that are closest to us, the people in our family, the people that we love, they are first on our minds and in our hearts. I just give thanks to God that, that our brothers were safe that night. Amen? Okay, so the good news is that God protects the good news is that God is a shield around us. He is a very present help in time of trouble. That's good news. This is the first time I've seen Carmen face to face. I didn't see the good news happen, but I can share the good news. I don't have to wait for it to happen. I don't have to wait rather for me to see it in order for that to happen, to share it. 
One more just quick example, and it came to us just yesterday. We prayed with our brother Don this morning. And Don's grieving a loss. Don's grieving a loss, but precious in the eyes of the Lord. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. And Don's mother-in-law was a dear woman. Don has already said to me, I know I'm going to see her again someday. It's bittersweet, okay? It's bittersweet. This is not ostrich theology where we stick our, our heads in the sand and pretend that everything is okay. It's bittersweet. But folks, part of bittersweet is it's sweet. When better to say good news than when somebody who knows the Lord has received their promotion, right? When better? There's good news in this. And so I don't know Don's mother-in-law. I never met her. He shared with me about her throughout the years. I know that she was, she was ill. I celebrate with my brother today. I grieve with my brother, but I celebrate. And we share the good news. We share the good news that the gospel is true. So again, I am not trying to say that we literally have to see something with our own eyes before we're allowed to tell others. What I am saying is that once we do see it, let's use a better word. Once we do encounter the good news, once we find out about the good news, once we become aware of the good news, we had better actually tell. We had better actually tell. Too many have encountered good news, but haven't gotten around to spreading it. Too many times we've heard good news but we haven't gotten around to spreading it. And the Bible, the pattern that we see here is we tell once we've seen. It might not be politically correct these days to talk about Christopher Columbus as, as the discoverer of the Americas. We know that there's all sorts of things that happened before that. I did hear this one observation though that I think applies in this situation. We can acknowledge that Columbus wasn't the discoverer of the Americas. He wasn't the first one to get here. He was just the first one who told somebody about it, right? He's the first one who reported the news. Good news needs to be shared. I think of my dad. My dad, many of you know, was that stereotype of a dad who had about 10 stories that he would tell again and again and again and again and again. And it got to the point in our family through the years where we would get into situations and we would all know dad's about to tell this story. Dad's about to tell that story. We'd all heard his stories a hundred times and we would laugh and we would beat him to the punchlines and he would say, did I tell you that already? Yeah, dad, dad, you told it. So here's the thing, I'm in my mid forties now. I've become that dad. I've become that guy. My family has heard all of my stories again and again and again. Hey kids, did I ever tell you about the time? Yep, you did, you did. And what's worse than that is I've become aware recently that, that my staff, my team here at HRCC, they've heard my stories again and again. Kelly, did I ever tell you about the time? Yes, Dan, you did. Yes, Dan, you did. And here's where it gets even worse than that. I have recognized times where I'm halfway through a story and I remember, I've told this story before. I think I've told this story a couple of times before. But there's my staff nodding and smiling. And it dawns on me, one of two things is happening. Either they weren't listening in the past when I told them this story, or they're just nodding and smiling to kind of placate me, hoping the story will be over soon. And I know it's got to be one of those two things, because those are the two things I used to do to my dad. I know that's how it works. The stories get told again and again. As much as we laugh at guys like me when we do that, 
I think Christians ought to be predictable storytellers. I think we ought to be telling the story again and again and again. I think the good news ought to be always on our lips. I think that Christians ought to be the sorts of people that when somebody says, you know, I got this new pair of shoes and I don't think they fit very well. I've got a blister on my heel. That we ought to say, heal? Did you ever hear the story about the time God healed me of my disease? Did you ever hear? I mean, we ought to be those kinds of dopey people who you just can't shut us up about the good news because we want to tell the story again and again. Once we've seen, we can't help but tell. Once we've seen, we can't help but tell. That's what the shepherds did. Let's look and see what they did next. Picking up in verse 17. It says, they spread the word concerning what had been told them. I want you to remember that. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, I am sure that one of the reasons that Christians tend to shy away from spreading the good news is that sometimes we're just not really sure what we're supposed to say. We feel inadequate to the purpose. We're not exactly sure how we're supposed to talk about the good news or when we're supposed to talk about it or what we're supposed to say or, you know, give me some words here. And I think it's worth noticing here that the shepherds give us a really, really simple solution to that conundrum. They tell what they've heard. That's all they do. They, they didn't share. They didn't try to explain things to everybody that they met. The, the word is very, very simple. They said they saw the baby and they spread the news concerning what they had been told. They, they just told what they heard. They repeated what the angel had said. You do not need to be an expert in doctrine in order to share the good news. You don't have to have a complete theological understanding of everything you've ever experienced in order to tell other people about it. You just need to pass the message along. We don't know, really, exactly how much the shepherds understood about what was going on that night. We don't know how robust their theology was. We don't know how well they might have been able to to understand how to connect the Old Testament prophecies with what was happening to them right there that night. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe a lot, maybe a little, we don't know. But here's the thing, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because all they had to do was pass along what they heard. So maybe they said things like this. Maybe the shepherds, you know, encountered people and one of them would say, well, you know, the craziest thing, we were minding our own business when an angel showed up to tell us about some new baby. And I know it sounds crazy, but that's what happened. And maybe another shepherd says, you know, that angel said that the baby's birth was good news because he used three words. He said the baby was going to be our, our savior, our Messiah, and our Lord. And then maybe another shepherd chimed in and said, you know, that angel actually, it's a good thing. He told us how to find the baby. And so that's when we decided to just go and see for ourselves. And one of the other shepherds might have said, you know, the baby's parents actually basically told us the very same story. It was absolutely incredible. <coughs> and then the fifth shepherd coughed. <laughs> and that's all they needed to say. That's all they needed to say because anybody who heard that much and was interested could go investigate its truth for themselves. That's exactly what the shepherds had done. They could do the same thing. I was reminded of 
uh, a story of when I was in college, um, living in the dorms. I was 18 years old, my freshman year of college, and, and one day I saw an advertisement somewhere, a printed ad for uh, Raisin Brand cereal. And there was an offer, there was a phone number there, and it said, if you call this number, you'll hear a recording and you can leave your mailing address and we will send you a free box of Raisin Bran cereal. And I was a college student. So that's like, that's a good day, right? That's really good. This is all, you know, pre-internet. So there's no, you know, log into this website and enter your email address, nothing like that. This is call, pick up your, your phone with a cord on it. Some of you I'll have to explain that to later, right? And call and you're gonna hear a thing we called voicemail back then, okay? You're gonna hear a voicemail message tell you a little bit about Kellogg's Raisin Bran and if you wait all the way until the beep, you'll leave your mailing address and we will send you a box of Raisin Bran. So I called the number, I listened to their blurb about Raisin Bran, I left a recording of my address, and about a week later, I'm walking down the hallway of the dorms. At the end of the hall was one of those, we all had you know, little individual mailboxes with the keys, and there was a little window in each one. And I'm looking in my box, I could always see it from the end of the hall, and I could see there's a cardboard box in there. It was little. It wasn't a big box of Raisin Bran. It was just the individual serving. <laughs> hey, you laugh. I was in college. That was still a good day. It's like, I ran down that hall. There's my Raisin Bran. There it is. I got it. I was a little surprised. I, I didn't think the raisin, the cereal was really going to come, but it came. It came. Cereal came near, <laughs> right? It was great. It was great. So I thought, I brought it back to my room. My, my roommate says, where'd you get the cereal? I'm like, I called this number and I only had to wait a week and I got a bowl of Raisin Bran. And my roommate says, well, I want some Raisin Bran. So I gave him the number and he called the number. And then that evening he, he said, you know, I'll, I'll bet Brad would like some cereal. Sure, let's call and we'll leave Brad's address. We call the number, ring, 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 listen to the address or listen to the message, beep. Yeah, we leave Brad's name and Brad's address. Hang up the phone. Well, I'll bet so-and-so would like some cereal. <laughs> yeah. We stayed up all night <laughs> calling that number time after time after time. We left the name and address of everybody whose name we knew in our dorm building. Everybody whose name we knew. Week later, I'm walking down that hallway to the, to the mail room and like half the boxes in the wall have little Raisin Bran boxes in them. And we're like, it worked, it worked. And that night, people are walking around the dorms eating their Raisin Bran. Where did the Raisin Bran come from? And we were, we were heroes. We were heroes in the dorm that night. And then, this was the best part, people that I didn't know started coming up to me and my roommate, and they'd be like, yo man, I hear you got a Raisin Bran hookup. I'm like, yeah. I can hook you up. You call this number and you leave your name and your address, they will send you Raisin Bran, right? We were heroes in the dorms. I forget why I was telling you that story. Oh, here it is, here it is, it's in my notes. When I made all those calls, people talk about, <laughs> people talk about pulling all-nighters in college. I was a music major, that was my all-nighter, <laughs> calling for Raisin Bran. 
right? When we made all those calls, I didn't know the nutritional information. I didn't know how many calories from fat or what the fiber content is in a box of raisin bran. I didn't know or understand the marketing strategy be behind why. It seems to me like most people have tasted raisin bran. Why did they want to give away all that free raisin bran? You either like it or you don't. You know, I didn't understand that. I hadn't read all the fine print about like the legal disclaimers, who's eligible for more raisin bran and who isn't and you know, things like that. There's a million things about that that I didn't know. But when people asked me how to get raisin bran, I just told them what number to call. I just passed along the information I heard. I encouraged them to investigate for themselves. You know, just call, leave your number because I was a college student living in a dorm and people were hungry for raisin bran. It was just that simple. Church, here's the point. People in your life are starving for good news. They're starving for good news. Have you watched CNN or Fox or MSNBC lately? People in the world are starving for good news. Could we just agree on that? They're starving for good news. And so it doesn't matter that you might not know or you might not understand all the fine print. Tell them what you've heard. Tell them what you've heard. Pass along the information you have. Encourage them to investigate for themselves. That's all that's required if you want to be somebody who knows how to tell. But the telling in this story doesn't end there. Got one more verse to read. It's Luke chapter 2, verse 20. It says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So they come back and they're glorifying God. They're praising God. They have told everybody that they can think of, just like me and my roommate, every address we could, every name that we knew in that building, everybody we can think of. They told everybody that they met, everybody that they ran into about the story. It was an amazing story, wasn't it? So they were telling people about it. And by the next day, crowds of people have heard about this thing. I suppose some believed it. I suppose some probably didn't. I suppose some were interested. I suppose some probably discounted it. Oh, these crazy shepherds get back out in your fields. I don't know how they responded, but that didn't dissuade the shepherds. They had just been telling their story. And so by the next day, the whole dynamic of Bethlehem is different, isn't it? Because these guys have just been, they've been telling, everybody's got some raisin bran. They've just been telling their story. They've been busy telling people what they've seen and heard. But that's not the end of the telling. They also have some things to tell God. And it's in this verse that we just read. Because when we spread the good news, we tell others about what we've experienced. But we tell God what we think. That's what praising and glorifying God is, right? We, we're just telling them what we think. Hey, God, this whole raisin bran thing, this whole baby in a manger thing, and please, I'm not equating college cereal with, you know, the divine incarnation of our Lord and Savior. I recognize that those are on two different levels. But I'm just saying, when things happen, we just tell God what we think. This, this thing that happened, thumbs up, Lord. Thumbs up, Lord. That's praising God. That's glorifying God. We tell people what we've experienced, but we tell God what we think. I think that's the essence of what it is to praise. Having a language to tell God, I'm here for this. I'm in favor of what's going on right now. We've just had the Christmas holiday, right? What parent in the room doesn't love to hear their kids tell them how much they loved their Christmas gifts? 
We love that feedback, right? When we give good gifts to our kids, we enjoy seeing our kids go, this is awesome. What parent would ever grow tired of hearing their child say, daddy, thank you so much. That was perfect. If it's that way for us, how much more for our heavenly father? If it's like that for, I mean, we're, we're just folks, right? If we're just folks, if it's like that for us, how much more for God? How much more does he love to hear us tell him what we think of the good news? I'm so glad Rhett's here today. I didn't know that today was going to be day number one for Rhett, but boy, in the last few months, it's like every other week is day number one for somebody here, right? We've got so many new babies, so many new babies, and it's just made things fun. Like who doesn't love a good, you know, new baby? Right. I've got a couple of people like, uh, uh. <laughs> I did say good. I did say good. Okay. But baby stories are great, especially, and I will acknowledge this, especially when it's not your baby. <laughs> like, it's like, how's the sleep going, Michael and Lauren? How's that going? You Good to see you. There we are. All right. <laughs> Carmen's back there. He's like, Dan, this sermon is the first time I've slept in a month. <laughs> But it's fun for us, right? As, as the spiritual aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents, it's fun for us to watch these folks make their, make their birth announcements. Before that, make their, their pregnancy announcements, right? Uh, it's fun for us to watch these babies make their deb- debut. Anori was in her car seat while the, the worship team was, was practicing this morning. She's out there singing her head off. Ah! You know, that's just fun when you're part of a family. And I like the part where the parents get to stand up with the car seat or hold the baby up like Simba, you know, or say, hey, this is my son. And if they're real spiritual, they go, in whom I am well pleased. (laughs) Right? This is my daughter. I don't know if you follow Carmen and Jessica on social media, but it is flooded with pictures of Marlo Magnolo. And she's a little bit cute, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Like we prayed for that baby and and she doesn't look like her dad, it's awesome. (laughs) It's so much fun. It's so much fun to see these parents, for me to insult Carmen like that publicly, and he's laughing, he's smiling. It doesn't matter because he's got a baby girl at home. How much fun is that to see the announcement happen again and again? Here's the point I want to make with these parents. Each time they tell their story, each time they share a picture, each time, Lauren, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. Each time Lauren tells the story of her journey towards motherhood, you just, you feel the joy melt off them. I want to be around that. I want to be near that. I want to see, it's like they get to relive the joy again and again and again, isn't it? It's never, Ryan, is it ever mundane to introduce somebody to your baby? It's not, like every time it's, it, you see this guy's joy again and again and again. Folks, that's the way storytelling works. Part of what makes storytelling so beautiful is that the storyteller gets to relive the joy each time they tell the story. And that means that anytime you or I tell a good news story, 
is an opportunity for us to experience that joy again. It's the joy again. If you let me coin a word here, we get to rejoy, which is kind of like we get to rejoice, right? That's what praising is. That's what glorifying God is. Let's just experience this joy again. Let's rejoy together as we tell the story. And my expectation for you today is let's just not miss out on any of those opportunities. It is understandably intimidating for believers to say, you know, I'm a little bit, I'm nervous about this evangelism thing. I don't feel like I know how to share my faith. I don't feel this way or that way. I get it. I really do. But if we could take our cue from the shepherds, let's lower the bar a little bit. Let's not, let's not make a mountain out of a molehill. Let's just say, hey, this really good thing has happened, and I want to tell this story. You know, I've seen it for myself, so it's time to start telling the story. I don't have to understand everything. I'm just going to pass along what I've heard, and every time I do it, I get to relive the joy again. What a privilege. What a privilege it is to be the bearer of good news. What did the prophet say in the Old Testament? How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who bears good news. I don't think my feet are particularly lovely, church. We're not going to do an object lesson here to find out. But I'm just saying, when I bear good news, I get to dwell in that beauty again and again and again. So instead of being intimidated by, well, I don't know how to share my faith. I don't understand the doctrine. I don't understand the theology. How about, let me just tell you a story. Let me tell you what what God has done in my life. Let me tell you how I've experienced the grace and the goodness of a good, good father. That is our commission today. People, you've heard the good news. Go. Go see for yourself. And then tell. Tell. We're going to pray together. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back to the stage. Because as we dismiss today, I think it would be fitting if we could just sing together that we're going to go and we're going to tell. And maybe there will be a mountain, maybe there won't. I don't know that for sure. But we're going to sing together. Anori's leading the prayer already. (laughs) Anori, you want to pray for us? We love it, don't we? Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We rejoice, which is to say we experience joy again. What a joy it was to receive the gospel the first time we heard it. With the hymn writers of the hour I first believed. But Lord, it is our privilege to rejoy. To rejoy again and again and again as we just tell. We have seen and so now we tell. We tell of the goodness of our God. We tell of his mercy which is without end. We tell of the bottomless depths of his grace. And we tell, Lord, that you alone are the name by which we are saved. We thank you for all of these things in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Would you stand and sing?
give you glory and we give you honor today. We rejoice in your goodness. Let us never tire of telling this story. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Love you, church. Greet somebody on your way out, and we'll see you for the new year.